You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. I've decided to title today's podcast, Architecture. It's a word one of my guests happened upon when describing his work. Well, we liked it so much, we decided it should be a real word. I'm Kevin Power, and once again, I am in Moose Jaw, and my guests are Canadian potter Rob Froze and his partner, photographer Gabriela Garcia Luna. Yet again, another gratifying conversation, and once again, with new friends who felt like old friends. Enjoy the podcast. So we're here in the Moose Jaw Cultural Centre, on the second floor, where we encounter the studios of... Potter Rob Froze and photographer Gabriela Garcia Luna. Thank you. I worked hard on that. <laughs> Rob, I had a long conversation with your father this morning, which will be a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> so I already know a lot about you, but oh. I'll give you a chance to represent yourself. Um, so. You were born in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Where? Saskatoon. Aha. Yes. But I, I wasn't there long. I returned years later, but uh, grew up first in a little town, Hanley, and then the rest of the growing up, up until today, is uh, in Moose Jaw, right. with uh, a lot of years out of Moose Jaw after high school traveling. The world... Right. No, I'm back here. Been How like, long have you been back in Moose Jaw? Uh, ten years. Moved yeah. back from Japan after years in Japan. and uh, But I still make trips to Japan every year for a few months. Right. So it's still something, a big part of my life. We'll get to that big part. And Gabriella, I'm guessing you're not from Saskatchewan. Yes, I am originally from Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Born and raised in Mexico City until 2006 that I left Mexico City to go some other places. And then being in Moose in 2009. How did you find your way from Mexico City to Moose Jaw? I'm sure you weren't sitting back living in Mexico City thinking, i got to get myself to Moose Jaw some point. <laughs> no, I didn't even know. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You picked a spot directly north. Right, directly <laughs> north. Right. Yes. Well, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful story <laughs> for myself. Yeah. But it's um, it's a story about uh, about artwork. In fact, mm-hmm. I came first time to Canada to the Banff Center, doing some artwork in a residency that lasted uh, seven weeks or eight weeks. One of my former homes. The yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know how it is sometimes uh, life is before a place and after a place. And Ban for me was like that. 
you know, before that residency, there was a story. After that residency, 2003, there was a, a different story, a lot of transformation, and uh, that's where I met Rob. Right. So, Rob, you were also at the band center. Yes, I had taken a summer away from Japan to do something. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I needed, I knew the place well enough that I felt good in Banff. I'd worked there before. It's a very good place to, yeah, to find, find it itself. It is. In direction. Right. Well, things, uh, yeah, it was a transformative time. I worked with Gabriella on a project. Uh, met a lot of other great people too, and uh, went back to Japan after that. And then a year or so later, we uh, reconnected. Both and, back at the band center again? No, in uh, Mexico this time. Ah. So I made my way to Mexico after, right. after, and that was a realization. I knew nothing about Mexico. I knew nothing really. You knew Gabriela was there. Yes. That may yeah. have been enough to get you. There. Yes. That's right. Absolutely <laughs> true. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. But and before the Bath Center, um, where had you, st- well, I want to get even before you studied, uh, I asked your dad the same question, and I'll ask you both. Can you recall the earliest memories that you have of something that you took in, uh, a piece of artwork that you took in, or somebody else's artwork that you had seen, maybe your dad's, that that made that initial, create, created that initial spark um, in you to say, I, I, I want to I want to do, I want to do something I want to make something, I want to I want to be an artist hmm. No I can't think of a one particular thing, it's just this many thousands and I think, and so many Types of experiences it has something has a lot to do with being uh, shown art as a child. The Mendel Art Gallery, lots of trips there, um, and then my, you know, the the environment in my home where it was it included so many types of uh, examples of types of art. Conversation was often around it. You must you'd marinated in that environment, yeah, I'm sure. And the same the decision to say become a ceramic artist, that's you know, that wasn't really a made this firm decision that I'm going to set out to do this. This was an emergent experience that just happened in a way. Where did you begin? Using I, what I really I, it's all mixed up for me really? now, but um I you know, I made Things using materials, just hands and materials right. from early age. Um, realization that uh, I guess from drawing classes, I've, you know, I enrolled in drawing classes in university, and then eventually moved towards uh, other material like clay and printmaking, painting, and all of that just working its way together. I guess it's in my personality. I've never been a good decision maker. Right. You know, it's always something that I move towards something and eventually bump into it, you know. Right. right. And that's kind of how it works. But it still works, really. My work in clay right now is uh, it's about finding out more. I feel like I'm a beginner. and uh, That's you know, a very good headspace to always be in, I find. 
good. Never getting to that place where you think, there, I've learned. I've, yes. I've arrived. Yeah, it's yeah. never safe to arrive. Yeah. And Gabriela, can you talk about your early influences growing up in Mexico as far as informing your art? Yes, um, Mexico itself is a very, Mexico City itself, it's a very interesting city, diverse city and uh, colorful and multicultural. Mexico itself is so vast in that sense. Um, my dad always liked traveling a lot. Um, he took us all over the country and, um, and we always were going to museums and and we always listen to music, and um, I remember going to museums. I think that's a, probably the most uh, the most important experience in terms of art for me. Going to museums from um, archaeological museums or natural history or art museums or just activities in, outside of a museum, like a park, a drawing, or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have a, a really, really fond memory of, of going into these beautiful spaces, you know, with uh, this marble floor and, as, you know, this uh, ambience and low light and then the light pointing to a maquette of a city, a Hispanic city, for example, Tenochtitlan, you know, in the Archaeological Museum of Mexico City. Or... Um, you know, the Natural uh, History Museum with all these windows you see through something, you know, whatever it is, you know, like, or even if it's feathers or it's an animal or it's a maquette or an explanation of something, it, it has it's had a kind of an effect of a um, magical effect on me, you know, of coming to the space of a museum. For me, it was almost kind of a religious experience, I have to say. So I think going to museums was the most uh, um, strong impact in in understanding that there's something meaningful about the work that is presented there. You know, about the words, about the objects, or about the paintings uh, that is presented there, you know, is something relevant. What do you think it is, both of you, what do you think it is about being young and that that instinct to be able to observe, to, to care, to take things in? Not everybody has that. Not everybody, artists see the world very differently than, than perhaps a lot of other people that, are, that don't live artistic lives as far as profession goes. What is it that, is it just, a, is it, is it just part of our, our genetic makeup that we that we move through the world in, in a very specific way in which we're constantly seeing seeing beauty in, in, in everything and, and letting that seep in and somehow informing what we do. And how do you are you taught that? Are you you pick it up by and clearly families play a huge part in exposing that. And then the cultivation and the art, you know, the decision somewhere there to, to pay attention right. and to look and then maybe the realization that there's more there than you first saw and you can't go back after that like then it's just a, 
in the process of deepening your experience somehow. Right. Yeah, Sorry, it, it has to be uh, perhaps also, I mean, a, a curiosity, a certain sense of curiosity. Um, I feel this, it, it is for me, and it's not about, of course, it was cultivated by the environment I grew up, but it's not only about that because I have siblings and, and you know, it's, there, none of them are in the arts, for example, uh -huh. right? My dad was a doctor, you know, my mom was a teacher, you know, it's, uh, I mean, there are artistic, um, artistic expressions of what they do, but not, not specifically, you know. I think uh, art um, or people who's driven towards art making have specific curiosity in the first uh, kind of um, the first thing. But also they have, uh, or we have, um, uh, in this deep curiosity, kind of, a, kind of a drive to transform things, right? To not just to know about them as a scientific mind, for example, that mm -hmm. is uh, happy knowing something, uh, but also about transforming it and and looking for something that is still not there. Right. Right. Not just about the facts. How are the facts? But what else that is still not there that is possible? Yeah. And I feel that's where, where the art starts to grow in someone. Right? Something like that. Um, it's often the, 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 the most distasteful part of things that are the most interesting, that are the most beautiful, mm -hmm. that are that are fascinating. That's almost where the story really is. Yeah, yeah. Some aspect, of, some little hook somewhere. Yeah, yeah. To, to to capture your attention. It might, yeah, like you say, it might be distasteful, but there's a question there. Yeah, if you care to go there, if you care to add, try to answer that. Yeah. Uh, did either of you? Um, get to a point early on where you questioned whether you could actually make a living from your art? Did you think, well, maybe I should learn something sensible just in case? Something sensible? Yes, sensible is really subjective. Yes. Something, something perceived as safe career-wise. I mean, for example, did you think, well, maybe uh, I should go into medicine because yeah. that's, no. that's solid? Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> I had a an experience. I think I'm doing it backwards, and thankfully, because I first, you know, found myself being a potter as a as a profession in Japan, where it's an accepted profession, and you don't have to say it twice. People know what that is and what that involves, and right. it's a in terms of you know selling your work, it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you make good work, it will find a home. Mm -hmm. And I uh, enjoyed that for almost eight years, that way of working of four or five exhibitions in a year with everyone being a new body of work. Like, really, I was um, encouraged to come to innovate. Right? So there was always fresh and new and made a, uh, enough money always to keep going. Right. And things have 
changed a bit coming back to Canada. It's a different culture environment, and it's got to say it's tougher. Because we don't yeah. view it um, as a... I don't know. Well, it's connected to what I make, right? It's like uh-huh. I'm making, in a way, I'm making pots a lot of the time that are a hybrid of two different cultures, really. And and I can't really expect them to, those pieces to just disappear. But um, not from my studio. Uh, but in terms of you know, making a living at it, it's a little harder now. Right. But I've been, you know, the experience of what it was in Japan, that's with me all the time. And I, I just I would never, never not go to the studio to make work. So you've, you've spoken about Japan so much, we must talk about how you got the, the journey to, to Japan for you. What got you there in the first place? Uh, general travel. Uh-huh. Roaming, you know, in Asia and Europe and backpacking in the 80s. Right. And that led to return trips to Japan. And then each time back, I had a little bit more interest in, in ceramic arts. And that eventually turned into work in Japan. And I'm just was, that in, was that interesting, ceramic arts? Was that... Uh, uh, Say how much of how much of Japan influenced your decision? Say, yeah, that's that really is the direction I want to go in. Uh, not all of it, you know. I'd had uh, good experiences with you know, study experiences in Canada with with excellent artists here, teachers who really helped me choose a direction. But that it kind of coalesced in Japan, right? Yeah, and then by making the work that I felt compelled to make, uh, it found a home in galleries there and to be popular and I had to make what I wanted to make and what do you gradually find? influences, you know, Japanese, uh, the uh, aesthetics of the table, of, of tableware, that has heavily influenced my work. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what about Japanese culture has had such a it's home for you? It's a refined society that mm-hmm. appreciates detail. Mm-hmm. Um, not that others don't, but they appreciate it in a way that really rings true with me, mm-hmm. resonates. It's, uh, you know, it's like they're looking at pots with X-ray vision, a right. special kind of vision of seeing in, deeply into something. And that's, there's so much of that. You see so much of that and experience it so often that you know, start to see those things. Your work is appreciated on the same level uh, as the making of it. As making it, yeah. And Did that's you, here as well. Yeah, it's just that there's more of it in Japan. The experience is there so much. Do you find the same to be true for photography, Gabrielle? Do we do we as Canadians appreciate photography as much as your experiences? elsewhere in the world. Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. 
On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I don't really know. I think um, I don't really know how to answer that. If I I, I cannot make a differentiation mm-hmm. between nationalities or environments, probably because um, probably because the way I was working in Mexico after coming to Canada, many things changed. Mm-hmm. So I I cannot carry a comparison, perhaps. Also, there are different stages of my career, you know, right. different stages of my development as an artist. I, I felt like when coming in, in Canada, <laughs> interesting enough, you know, coming to Muzja, you know, small, small city mm-hmm. compared to Mexico City, yeah. you know, it's just a neighborhood, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, as, um, but I felt that uh, there was so much to do here. There were so many possibilities, you know, to do here that that was something that helped me to expand in a way in my own practice, you know. And the quietness of a small place and, mm. and um, the influence of, of the land here in Canada in general, you know. Right. Um, uh, resonate a lot with my own work so my work is in a way is a bit quiet in a bit quiet not really quiet uh, but it is um, um, more about contemplation less of a narrative less um directly political or or um a low or high volume you know and in mexico the the circumstances are such that uh, the work that resonates more. It's a more striking work. It's more mm-hmm. punching and more uh, loud, you know? So it's very much influenced by the environment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I'm not, no, I'm not saying just my work. I'm saying the work, the work there. In general, the, yeah. the, the general, the work there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so the work I've, reflects the energy of the... Of the Yes, but the, what I mean is my work has always been in the concern of an introspective view mm-hmm. since I was in Mexico. So being in Mexico, I was a little bit displaced, so to speak. Yeah, right. You know? right. Uh, my work, uh, you know, I mean, I, I show my work and my work was appreciated. Um. But I always felt that it was a little too, the, the rest was a little bit too loud, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you find that both, it's such a solitary way of life, creating art, yet it's probably your most meditative space is, is your studio, I would think. Is it hard to imagine working in an environment with a lot of people? Like, is that, 
seem like an overwhelming prospect? You need to have that waterproof. I like to be in in in, in cities. I like working in quiet, but I like working like in a, I like, yeah, and especially like working with with other artists. So oh, yeah. residencies are um, to me they're wonderful things. I you know desirable situations where you're working with other who are as serious about the work right. that you are. But and I'm thinking of my first experience in Japan was in a, a deserted barn that I was basically given to use. But the city had grown around it, so I could work in solitude in the day, and then go downtown at night, cycle downtown, and it kind of it balanced. It was a nice, very nice balance uh-huh. for me. Now, when I go to Japan, I'm in the country, alone in the country, and with a long trip to any city. So that's changed the way I work, and I, I'm finding from the comparison that I do like to be in a in a mix. Imagine working in Mexico City. <laughs> that would be great. A whole other gritty, beautiful yeah. place. Yeah, with the uh, all that it's vibrant. Oh, it's, it's and a lot wonderful. of clay. Yeah, lots of <laughs> clay culture. And yeah. I'm discovering how closely they look at clay too. They're just looking at it in a different way. Like you, you mentioned, some what did you, the word you used? Like a quality of the work that's been. Produced in Mexico. Uh, where did you use? Can <laughs> we rewind it? Um, <laughs> when we were talking a lot lately, yeah. <laughs> the last few years. <laughs> uh, just now, but uh, it's a different aesthetic. Right. But there's it's still a deep sense of material of the details of material. Right. I'm enjoying trips to Mexico too, working clay as it's Jaw here. It's kind of an in-between situation, working in solitude in this beautiful space, the cleanest studio I've ever worked in, the environment, <laughs> you know, with the carpeting outside, and right. I have to work in a so clean way so that affects what I'm making, of course. Oh, right. You know, you have to just kind of right. keep it tidy, so right. what do you think? I think it's a, it's a mix for me, it's a mix, um, it's a mix situation in a way, um, I certainly, I certainly appreciate being in solitude, and I sometimes look for more, and I, some, I find more. You know, it's my, I can find more silence than in my studio, for sure. You know, and I look for it. But at the same time, I, I always feel very excited to, to see the work of others. You know, to have the chance to, to watch, you know, interesting. Um, filmmakers or interesting, you know, actors or musicians or mm-hmm. other visual artists. So that's what, what uh, you know, a city or a, you know, big center offers. Um, bigger communities, more diversity. Of course, it's, it's great, you know, we often drive to Regina to the openings and if like, you know, for us it's, it's necessary, you know, to mm-hmm. have a discussion yeah. of your artwork or a discussion of the artwork of others or just you know, or this interchange is so necessary, you know, to to feed your own practice and to feel inspired by the way others um, do their work. And so it's something that has to be balanced. So then I would ask you, what about Rob's work inspires you? <laughs> uh, that's, that's a, I feel very fortunate, you know, to, to, to have Rob as a um, partner, 
um, and uh, to have Rob as an artistic partner, too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he certainly inspires um, my work a lot, and uh, I really, I really uh, feel inspired by the work, um, the, by the way he is clear about his work. He knows, um, he runs around for a while, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, kind of, until he, okay, he's there. And when he's there, when he, he starts putting his hands on whatever, sculpture or uh, vase or whatever, mm-hmm. he just goes for it. And, and he doesn't even think about it. He knows. It's not about, I think I want to do things. Uh-huh. It's like he knows what he wants to do and mm-hmm. just do it. And that's something that is so amazing and so inspiring. He knows what he's looking for. Um, and is your approach more methodical? Do you, or, or do you, you need to know um, where you're going before you start? Yeah, not really. In a way, we are very similar in the mm-hmm. way we approach the work. We are open to what's happening. We like proposing accidents. We are like proposing directions and then being open. Really, we are waiting for um, things to merge in our process not just being the directors of our artwork, right. you know? Right. We both have that. We both have that. Um, I don't know, it's like, uh, it's probably the way, the, the fact that you see it in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and just across the corridor, you know, going to the studio. Sometimes we have to close our doors, honestly, yeah. because we need to stop communicating, right, yeah, yeah. Um, in order to concentrate more on what we are doing. But, uh, but certainly it's, it's very inspiring to, to, to see, to share those aspects of, of the work. Is there a familiarity for you in, with material that um, Rob uses with, with the clay? I mean, I don't know why I associate clay so strongly with, with Mexico. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even just the terracotta color of clay, and it, it's just so, just so defined. Yes, I think so. I, I think there is so much a, a, a ceramic um, mm. art and craft in Mexico, so much. You know, uh, I grew up uh, going to um pre-Hispanic city, town, Teotihuacan, mm-hmm. very close to Mexico City, really close, um, less than an hour drive. And we used to go there, um, walk around the ruins, walk around the pyramids. And uh, before this, this place was, um, was um, preserved properly by uh, and, uh, the anthropology ministry in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were able to walk all over and to pick up whatever you wanted. And we could find these uh, little pieces of clay sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating thinking, you know, wow, you know, this little piece of clay has been here for how many years? Who knows, right? Uh, mm, or, you know, points of city and points we could find. So I grew up with that. I grew up going, as I said, to these museums and looking to the vases made of clay. So clay is something very, very familiar in Mexico. And also, you know, we usually drink atole, a, a hot drink made of, of 
corn or rice or brevage, you know, in these jarritos, which is, you know, a low temperature clay mm -hmm. uh, cup in a specific shape, mm -hmm. you know. There's, uh, like, there's so much of, you know, tradition of the pottery of Michoacán or the pottery of Chihuahua, you know, so you're, it's, it's uh, something that is very familiar mm -hmm. in a way, you know. It's, I don't know, in, in terms of the way I, I came to know clay through Rob's work and others' work, but kind of that, uh, that was for me a new portal to know to know and have reflections about clay work in a different way, in a more, um, it's just another universe, right? Another yeah. universe. Rob, what about Gabriella's work? Well, in terms of art making, watching, seeing her work, uh, for me it's like, it's been a, a repeated experience of being able to see a little bit more about something. See how you're kind of like a visual, like a art theologist or something, like a mm -hmm. art pulling away layers of things, you know? What a word. Art, Did you say art? Theologist. That's what I thought. I heard you say. <laughs> I, just, I think it should I just be a word. made that up. I think that should be a word. Well, let's it. start using it. Yeah, sure. That will be the title of this podcast <laughs> Archaeology. That could be nice. <laughs> you pull away layers, you look at things, and then I, I'm. I'm uh, amazed at how you can see more. Always, there's another layer there. There's another facet or an angle. If you move around, something emerges. And watch your body of work change. The bodies of work that you've been making in the last few years. It's beautiful. It's like I. It's well. It's it inspires me in my work. Is to start to look, it's like getting the glasses clean. Wow, what a great way to describe it. That's very beautiful it, you know? to say. Oh, <laughs> There's quite an energy between the two of you, I have to say. <laughs> we it's should palpable. live in our studios. Yes. It's palpable. <laughs> no, I mean, I can see why you're drawn to each other, both artistically and, and otherwise. It's, yeah. it's very strong. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah, to I see that from so. somebody else's work, oh, yeah, yeah, a sharing and a, yeah. Um, I had a very interesting, long, controversial discussion with six, seven artists um, last weekend in Saskatoon. Um, it was the catalyst was a, a very controversial piece that went up in Saskatoon as a public a public display. It was a. Um, uh, compressed two bales of compressed recycled material. What would you say to the average person who's trying to find art appreciation in something that's not so clear? Your your dad's work is very it's very clear. It, you don't have to work hard to understand at first glance your dad's work. You don't. For me, you wouldn't have to work apart. I, I mean, on a surface level, of course. Then you go deeper into the 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 linear aspect of of viewing um, a ceramic pot, but at first glance, for the layperson, they go, "Aha! I get that. That's a pot." How do you educate somebody to understand work that isn't so clear? It's a hard. It's a hard one. It's a question of life, really. About every you know everything we face in society. 
me, it's the same. It's like a, a everyone has a willingness to people curiosity. Really, are you curious about possibilities like um, abstract art, you know, non-representational works that really require you to 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 look? You have to want to go there. Yeah, you have to learn to see. You, uh, it's a different way of seeing. It's a, right. In my opinion, it's a deeper way of seeing. It deepens your being. Is there artwork that you experience that just does not speak to you at all? Do you say, well, I question the validity of, of mm -hmm. that altogether? Or do you give, as artists, do you give everybody's work the respect due? I, Hmm. Not all the well, not not all the work resonates with you. Mm -hmm. You don't. I mean, because um, a lot of I mean, a lot of the work and you are seeing it from your own perspective, and uh, or it's displayed in certain way. I don't know for whatever reason. You know, not all the work, not all the work will resonate with you, mm -hmm. and and um, I certainly think many things that I've seen around or. In different disciplines, I would say, well, they should save the space for something else. You know, I guess sometimes I, I, I um, but um, it's not just necessarily about um, what you like. You know, because I think that the 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 very superficial view of art is, is something that first of all has to be decorative. You know, mm -hmm. and this is what first thing you know and uh, that. People has to be educated that it's not about decoration. I'm very surprised, for example, to, to say that uh, that um, art is not linked to education as it, it, it as it, it really is. You know, art is more about education than about entertainment, mm -hmm. uh -huh. in my opinion. Uh -huh. And um, well, that's big. Yes, yeah. and unfortunately, it's not seen like that, or it's not established like that in our organizations. So, how do you say uh, doesn't it, this is this is a valid piece of art, and it's not decorative? How do you say that when you're saying it has to entertain you? There's right. a contradiction. Right. Right. So then, are you saying that? But there's you still feel there is a place for education. Um, for art education in yes, the school system. Yes, there is a place. Right. There is a place for art and education in the school system, but there's also a place for art um, for art that is not necessarily decorative or doesn't necessarily appeal to everyone's right. taste. Right. You know, the the function of art is not just to uh, decorate, right? Right. The function of art is is way larger is to create uh, all kinds of questions. Um, so do you teach, do you teach a student how to experience then? Is that what? Do you teach what? Do you teach how to experience art? Is that? I don't think you can teach how to experience art. Right. You can, you can, you can um, expose people. First of all, it's important to expose people to different kinds of, of work. Um, and uh, to create spaces where these people can can see it. It's that's the role of you know like this the Muslim Cultural Center, the Muslim Museum and Art Gallery that they also do great you know the educational programs etc. 
what you're doing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, podcasts or in the mm -hmm. now the different uh, uh, ways we we have to communicate, you know. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's like okay, having the the possibility to visit those places and to see something in a different way that it was from the past, so to speak, you know. And you cannot, I don't think you can teach how to experience art. You can offer the opportunity and you can give education about background. You can give yeah. education about how uh, this piece was um, made on how, how, what was the motivation of this artist, like validate the practice itself. If it's appealing to your study, if you would buy it or collect it or not, or is not to be collected, you know, is secondary. Just the view of, of a decorative piece that is in the mind, in the back of the mind of most population is strong. Right. You know, and that's, that's uh, probably the first thing to reverse, you know, educating is to offer, you know, the, the possibility to see it, to view it. And I think it's also really important to develop a language for how something makes you feel. And I, I was saying, I, I interviewed Jean Freeman, um, author Jean Freeman, and I, I was sharing with her experience of my grade four teacher who said for the entire year, you're not allowed to use the verb like when you describe something. It's okay. so, it's, it's <laughs> so uh, limiting. I want to hear everything else but like. I don't want to hear I like this. Mm -hmm. I want to hear how it makes you feel. And giving somebody the opportunity to give language to, even if the language, I think, is it disgusts me, at least yeah. you're going somewhere, yeah? In the case of a public art piece that causes somebody to you know, recoil, well, <laughs> to throw a tarp over it, yeah. um, I'm curious about that. Like, it's not a... It's not harming, it's just opening up a question. Mm -hmm. And if it means challenging the thing, no. No, but isn't it, a, in a way, isn't it a good thing? <laughs> I but, mean, I'm not saying yeah. about, about uh, the, the kind of itself of denying this exists, but yeah. it, uh, it, you know, observing the fact that it's causing an effect and it's certainly moving some some fibers there yeah. uh, might be something to to observe. Um, I don't really well, know. Well, I the think whole it would be most there. alarming if it, if it if for an artist if it didn't do that to somebody if it didn't move some of course yeah. fiber yes. of a viewer's being. Yeah. And I actually had said at the time, I said it toward, when we shut the recorder off. I said, you know what I find most interesting is that the 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 citizen who covered the piece up with tarp had no idea that in the action of doing that, he created another piece of art. Yes. Um, you know, which to me is a statement of not wanting to look at art, not wanting to, 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 yeah. to take recycled material and just look away. If I don't look at it, then, then we don't have a problem here. Um, and he, but he, that yeah. kind of personality doesn't go there. And so I think we came to the conclusion that you can't teach going there. You can lead somebody there, but there has to be a willingness on behalf of the viewer to want to go of deep. Course. Yes. Yes, of course. So do you fear that funding for for new work? Do you do you 
Do you feel safe in the medium that you've chosen that they'll always be funding um, for your work versus somebody who would put a bale of compressed material together? Like you feel that doesn't? I don't think about that. You don't in that way that that there's any kind of a competition for funding or anything like that. It's like a, a support is support. I don't know uh, if there will be enough funding. I don't think there's enough funding anyway. Ever, on, no matter what. On, I mean, yeah. not ma it's not not matter what it's like the fact. I mean, yes. I have I've been honestly, I've been um, fortunate to receive funding, yeah. you know, and support for my work. I I I wouldn't be here doing artwork or teaching or organizing events for the community. I wouldn't be doing any of this if it was not for the support I received from the very beginning. Of, of my my art practice, you know, as I said, I came to Canada to the Bank Center, and it was thanks to a grant, uh, FONCA, you know, Fondo Nacional para la Cultura y las Artes, yes. um, um, Mexican Fund uh, for arts, arts and Culture, you know, and gave me a grant to come to Canada to make an artist in residency for seven weeks, and. They know that was that is. They know that it's important for for an artist, and it was important for me in so many ways. And I wouldn't wouldn't have continued doing artwork if it was not for that funding or another funding and another funding. You know. Right. And here in Canada, I've also received you know uh, uh, grants or residencies from from the Saskatchewan Arts Board. And otherwise, you you cannot continue. You know, or or well, yes, you continue because. In a way, it's what you chose to to do, or because you have uh, enough loving for what you do mm -hmm. that you will continue. But it certainly uh, makes it possible and and make makes expanding your work is is absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary in our in our in, in a way. But at the same time, I have to say that there is never enough because, you know, there is so much to explore for each one of the artists that are in the community. Not every not everyone gets a grant or not every time you apply for a grant, right? So in a way, there is never enough, <laughs> enough support, no, you know? There never will be. There never will be, you know? And at the same time, well, Great that it's there, you know. And um, part of what we have to educate is not only about uh, how to look at art or how to approach art, but also uh, how to value, you know. Not, as I was mentioning, not only as for the object itself, but for what brings to a community, what brings to people reflections and questionings and creativity and invention and, and ways to relate in a better way, you know, in, in, in creative ways to actualize ourselves in the time we are living and not just with image, images of, of our past. What's coming up for you both next? Where I mean, I know that I get the sense that neither of you sit down and sketch out a, a master five-year plan <laughs> in advance. But obviously, Japan's going to continue for you. Yeah, that will, as long as I can do that right. in the fall, like a few months, and that might extend to longer periods. Um, more work here? Or, 
and an exhibition in the Cultural Center here in June and July. Um, ongoing digging around, finding out, and I'm, I'm taking a class this summer in mold making, oh, wow. like ceramic uh, Where? ways of, in Medicine Hat ah. in the Delta. I'm a well-known mold maker in Vancouver. I'm excited about that. I get to, you know, revisit techniques I, I supposedly learned in <laughs> university, you know, 20 years ago. Right. Uh, it's time to go back to that. Yeah. And you have in some shows. Uh, a show. Uh, here? In yeah. The culture? yeah, that's coming up in June, July. Yeah. And you have a fabulous program here where you, where, where members of the public get to come in and actually watch you create in real time. Yeah. <laughs> what does that feel like? Is, is it intimidating to have somebody looking on as you, as you create, or is it, does it actually give you an energy? Well, you work in a different way. Yeah. I've discovered, I've participated twice, the second annual Artist in Action event. It's uh, in a weird way. It's you're you're making your work, but you're not making it as you would normally. Ah. It's like this uh, other experience of being watched, but at the same time you're instructing, but not really instructing. So to me, I found the exciting part of it for me was that uh, the artists get to show, get to find out something about themselves in the process of presenting. And the public, too, gets to see production in a different way. So it's like this new area that no one really thinks about too much. Like you don't think of yourself as performing your art. Right. Visual art is right. performing, but that's happening. And I think that's a... I like it because it's, in a way, it's a little, it's a little challenging for everybody. Well, you can, you can witness an audience's reaction to your piece after the fact, but to experience it in real time gives you an opportunity to experience something that you otherwise wouldn't by being influenced by the people around you, much like an actor is influenced by an audience. Yes, because it's... They, and they don't realize, audiences have no idea how much, how, how much of a part they play in a performance. So, so um, I wonder if the people watching you create realize how much of an impact they have in that moment. As a process piece. Yeah. 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 As these if to are not say finished pieces. These are it's about the process of making. Are they not finished pieces by the end? Do they, are uh, they somewhere any? Not no, no. not really. A well, painter might have finished a painting. Yes. But you know, they revisited it later, I'm sure, but it was more about this little section of the activity, like this section of time in the studio. Yes, what we are, what we've been doing that, uh, since last year here at the Cultural Center, um, through the invitation um, of, the, of the Cultural Center itself, was to do some activities in relation to visual arts. Since the theater, the for performing arts are already, you know, running for several years, you know, um, uh, but the visual arts uh, have. Um, we have studios here, but the visual arts haven't been as active. So they wanted to reactivate that or to start it. So the activities that we've been organizing are related first um, to the spaces that we have in the cultural center available, uh, studios and rooms, whatever, to the, to the artists that uh, we have in the community and 
some are professional artists or some are in a stage of, of mid-career or some, some are emerging artists. Mm -hmm. um, but for, with, with serious intentions in terms of their artwork, right? And um, we decided to bring out these programs where we invite the public to come and watch the artists making their work for a period of time of four hours in all the spaces of the cultural center. So it's like taking, as Rob says, it's like taking a section of a studio practice and opening the window for everybody to come and visit. So the experience is really strange for a visual artist, as you say, sure. we're not, we're not uh, yeah. used to have public, yeah. right? Um, so it puts you in a, in a, a little bit weird environment, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, you start to feel, you know, that you have the feedback of the, of, of the people in right. that moment, you right. know. Right. And for the people, it gives them the, the opportunity to reflect about the process of art making. Another thing that happens with the artists is that sometimes it, it gives you the pretext to put something together. A little bit of pressure is always good, sure, you know. Sure. And then, you know, if you have to to think how what to do for this period of time, you know, you have to put something together. And it has happened that after the event, the artists that participated, they continued with that same input in in the same direction doing more work or connecting to other community or making another presentation and and it's reactivating the that's whole activity between the members of the community that's interesting so it's it's kind of a humble way to do it sure. you know but but we have been we have been observing the the results are really really great you know not only because people come and we have lots of people visiting the cultural center, but what happens after, you know? It's a great project, great idea for people, small communities where mm -hmm. there are artists living that are looking for something to do for Culture Days weekend at the end of September. It's very, yeah. it's very portable. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. maybe you'll be groundbreaking that way. Other communities well, will pick I, up on it. You know, when we were coming, up with some name for it, Artists in Action, I discovered that there are many places in the world that have that very title oh. in England and New Zealand and, exactly. you know. It's hard to be original when yeah. it comes to <laughs> Somebody's right. got it. Yeah. Yeah. Artists in Action, the three words, not in action. Right, right, right. right. To make sure right. That, yeah, uh, you were you were asking what were our plans yes. in the future Thank to, you. like, yeah, just coming back to that is, mm -hmm. um, like I am preparing, see a lot of little prints all over. Yes. I'm preparing a show for um, in September at the Museum Museum and Art Gallery. And uh, it, the Museum Museum and Art Gallery is a beautiful space. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very big space. There are going to be two solo shows at the same time. Usually they, they split the space in two and they have two, two shows uh, opening. And so I'm going to be presenting some of the work that you see here. I'm just sorting out and preparing for for enlarging and framing and all these things. Um, for me, it's a super interesting um, event, uh, showing my work in a beautiful gallery that is so great um, directed. 
Um, Blue is very dominant in your work. <laughs> I can't help but notice that. <laughs> wow, you're so observant. Yeah. Yes. yes, you are. You're very it's, Yeah. It, it, it's because I'm drawn to that color so much that I instantly noticed oh. it when I came in. It is, I have to say, it's quite staggering to take your work in and, and remind oneself that it's actually photography. Mm. It, has, it has such texture and movement to it, it almost wants to be uh, an art form of, of material. It almost, mm -hmm. it, you know, it has, it, you, you, it's hard to imagine that it's 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 a photograph in much the same way that some paintings are hard to imagine that they're not mm -hmm. photographs. It really is quite staggering. Your use of light is amazing. I I I, uh, I think um, more and more I understand about my work, and um, people think that you have said you know the color the blue. Mm -hmm. that is related to studies of light that I've been doing the last years and uh, uh, basically the, the strong influence came in Canada when I was um, 2008 uh, residency at Emma Lake for 10 days we had a shared residency hmm. following in dad's footsteps yeah I'd heard about it all growing up and dad being yeah. there and my mother as well when they were young yeah so we yeah, we were in Emma Lake, we yeah, had a yeah. 10 days residency there, and we were supposed to do a collaborative project, and we had an idea of what we were going to do together. I was, we were going to project uh, images that I was going to create on, on pieces of white clay that we were going to be hanging on the forest, whatever. Well, it didn't happen like that. Mosquitoes, the population of mosquitoes <laughs> had something to do with it. I had to do this at night, uh, yeah. hanging in the and, and trees. And also uh, our, our temper to do our own together. thing, you know, we, we have that, you know, as much as we, yeah. we share so much, we end doing different things and going to different places. So Rob started working with the shards that, you know, still is his own work that is evolving. Mm. And I started taking photographs at night and realizing this glow in the night that was so unusual and say, wow, this is 10 p.m. and what's mm. the glow on the mm. sky, you know, what's that? It was foreign to me, honestly. Well, you're in, I mean, you're in Mecca as far as Saskatchewan and skies are concerned. Yes. I, when I was driving down here, I was looking at the sky and I think, I was thinking, this is a, this is art in, this is art in motion. <laughs> this, 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 what, the, it con, it's continually changing. It's yeah, never it the same piece. Yes. Yeah, it's never the same piece. And, more than and you know, I, I, I was coming from Mexico, you know, and uh, and uh, the the sun sets and sets by, you know, light by, you know. We don't have this intermediate light that lasts for hours and hours and hours mm. at night, you mm. know. Right. At 10 p.m., no matter where you are, it's dark, it's dark yeah. you know. So, um, so this glow, I realized, oh, that's the sun. Great revelation, huh? It's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like somebody first time, yeah. first time you saw snow or right, the first right, time you right. saw the ocean, right, and, you know, right. after 20 years or something. Yeah. For me, it was a great revelation. So that really struck on my work. And so I, I, I started exploring more the possibilities of that light and intervention of the space. And it, you know, just permeated in, in so much of my work, you know, the blue light on the on Saskatchewan sky at 10 p.m.
Interesting. I, I'm so interested about these effects of light, you know, and uh, um, I find almost terrifying to go to a place that is night all time. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. It's, I yeah, mean, that... it, it's terrifying enough to be attractive. Although there would be a quality of light if the if on a, on a full moon. That's one of our favorite favorite lights in perpetual darkness. Um, wow. That's, mm -hmm. uh, well, you, uh, when we passed midnight at Emma Lake, you had your camera set up on the dock, shooting to the northwest, mm -hmm. and your camera picked up something that we couldn't see. Yes. Light that was there that we're not. Yes. So you could work in the dark. Yes. Oh yes. That would be a yes. Dark yes, would be yes, would be certainly you know part of what uh, you know what I'm doing is related to the the possibility of capturing very minimum amount of um, light, you know, and um, now camera can can do. You know? No, no camera can replicate that. One of the gifts of nature. Yes. That cannot be replicated. No, but I don't think it's about replicating. Well, you mean you digital think? cameras can re can register more register. light than... Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Register. Register. I yes, see what you mean. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. But I mean, to try to recreate that in, in, in um, you know, in, in a controlled environment, try to capture that kind of light by, with, with the use of your own lighting, I would think it would be next to impossible because it just, it doesn't exist anywhere else. Yes. You could no. come close to it, but you would Yes, no, no, I think, no, it's just totally impossible. I mean, what, the, what happens is that uh, what, uh, what the, uh, a moment uh, a view in the land is not only about the weight, it's, it's seen, you know? Mm. It's not about the, the um, you know, the qualities of light or the, how, do you, how would you say, the lumens, yeah, you know, that's what the measure, you know, if the experience is so, so much about the experience of being in a place in a moment that is so special, and of course you cannot even try to replicate it, mm. first of all. And the second is, you photograph, you cannot pretend to represent it. No, it can only yeah. inform and inspire. It's inform, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the only yeah. it was the only thing, you yeah. know. This has been an incredibly self-indulgent conversation. <laughs> I'd like to thank you mostly for the fact that in defining your approach to your work, you've already contributed to a facility for language. Thank you for letting me in on a little snapshot thank of your you, life. Thank you for, for doing this. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created by Kevin Power as part of the Culture Days Animateur program operated by Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sports, Culture and Recreation. If you want to hear more of these podcasts or to see the great work being done by other Sass Culture animateurs, please visit www.iheartculture.ca. Special thanks to Paved Arts in Saskatoon for their technical support. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There is no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time... <laughs>